This episode is brought to you by Happy High Achiever. Have you recently hit difficult workplace hurdles despite a resume that seems enviable from the outside? It's hard to be happy in life when we're unhappy in our careers. And those of us who constantly compete with ourselves to be better, whose pride and very identities are inextricably tied to achieving, feel it particularly hard when work stops going well. Who are we if we're not living up to our expectations for ourselves? If this scenario resonates with you, Happy High Achiever is here to help. HHA's founder, Courtney Bryan, started the company to provide support and resources for high-achieving employees who hit significant professional obstacles, often for the first time. Interested? Check out happyhighachiever.com slash upzones. To learn more, join the newsletter, and access a special Friends of the Pod rate on coaching packages. Our sponsor is Happy High Achiever, and this is Upzones. You have to elect yourself, Davey. Things are changing. Things are changing. You can't say it, but you know it's true. You elect yourself. Things are changing. You elect yourself. You elect yourself. Happy Monday, everyone. I'm so sorry that we're a few weeks late on getting a new episode out. I never really used to like to do that, but fuck it, man. I have a day job, and you all know the grind. I traveled a whole bunch for work, and um, it's kind of fun, although I did catch a wicked cold at the tail end of that, and I'll spare everybody the gross details of my health reports. Just been tough to get stuff done. Still looking for that house that Michelle and I can move into one fine day. Still hoping we can make that happen, and... Just funny to think about how that's all tied into the politics of what we're doing here and the politics of what's going on in the city. Uh, it, yeah, so Alex Garland is one of the coolest dudes we've had on the show. Great interview. Great mentality about applying his aesthetic to his social causes and um, has taken some of the more iconic photos associated with Seattle in recent years, including, as we talked about a great deal, the viaduct closing. I think you want to check his workout. We'll throw up on the article exactly how you can do that, but just go check him out. Google Alex Garland Photography Seattle. Hire him for your wedding. Alex Garland. So thanks for coming. Of course. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. How long have you been a photojournalist? Um, you know, I. it's interesting. I did not intend to be a photojournalist. Um, okay. That was something I just kind of stumbled into. It's funny how that works in life, isn't right? it? Right? Yeah. yeah. It was not... I, I never really thought of it as a career path. Mm-hmm. Um, I went down to the Occupy movement when it, when it made its way to Seattle to just shoot around, try things out, different... Um, Different environments, different lighting situations, different groups of people. Was this like a hobby at, uh, prior to that? Were you just like something you were kind of doing and then... I had done some weddings and um, some family photos. Mm-hmm. I haven't... Didn't really think about it as something I would make as my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just something that I like to do. Yeah. And I started doing it at a young age. My grandmother gave me uh, Instamatic. I remember that on your yeah. phone. Um, well, oh, you mean the original, the original Instamatic. Instamatic. Yeah. Yeah. 
And it was just like the camera that she would carry around and she handed it off to me and it was just something I would just shoot around with and it wasn't something I thought about. So you went, you just from a young age, you were sort of clicking, but you, you just liked it. It wasn't anything you never said, I want to be a photographer. Yeah, no, it, you know, my grand, my grandmother had the same one they gave me the Instamatic had pretty much every issue of National Geographic that yeah. existed from the time it started till, I don't know, the late nineties. And that was what I dug through as mm-hmm. a kid, were just issues upon issues upon issues in national. So you probably got this like informal education just in like framing and. Oh, absolutely! You know, I, mean, I, I had no idea what I was looking at. Right. Yeah, um, but you you probably inside that. Sure. In. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, I was like, "Oh, this is a really intriguing image," mm-hmm. and not really thinking about why it was intriguing, mm-hmm. just knowing that it captured my attention. Yeah. 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 And before the um, the Occupy stuff, what, I mean, what were you doing? How, how were you keeping busy? Well, I was working as a barista. I had moved to Seattle in uh, 2010. I come from Texas. Um, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Originally from Arkansas, moved to Texas when I was in which part of Arkansas? Central Arkansas. Central Arkansas. Cabot. Okay. Yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah, my college roommate's from Little Rock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, we, I, I will say I'm an adopted Arkansan, but not really. I'm just sort of someone who knows a couple of the cities. And then, <laughs> hey, you can you can call that if you'd like to. Yeah. I think okay. that's fair game. Fair enough. Yeah, I uh, I moved to Texas to live with my, my mom and stepdad when I was uh, like 13. Mm-hmm. And um, they taught at a university. They both got their PhDs in biology. Okay. My mom was a geneticist. My stepdad was an environmental scientist, so... I was just like dumped on with science. Yeah, constantly. and you're reading a lot of National Geographic. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that just kind of permeated me, and that inspired me to. I mean, I loved science textbooks because I loved the photos in science textbooks. Right. And that kind of kept my interest. Yeah. That's what I would do while my parents were, you know, teaching, while lecturing, right, doing a lab. It was a great way to grow up, but uh, Texas was not where I wanted to live. Understandable. Yeah. I spent some time there. Austin's pretty dope. Austin's cool. And I lived in Denton and Denton was a really cool town to grow up in. Mm-hmm. It was just a little smaller than I wanted to yeah. be at that I moment. I feel that. I yeah. feel that. Yeah. I wanted to, to kind of see what else was out here. And Seattle kind of, it kind of grew on me. Um, I took a spring break trip with a buddy of mine in college and we came out here via road trip mm-hmm. up the coast and we stopped here and I was like, this is a beautiful place Mm -hmm. it's got everything i love Mm -hmm. about a city um and that was probably 2008 then 2010 i guess it was earlier than that it was probably 2000 i was still in college so maybe 2004 2005 gotcha gotcha and then you know after i graduated i took a year off didn't want to get a job yet i got a degree in emergency administration and disaster planning Whoa. From the University of North Texas. And the, that's someone who goes to what? Work for FEMA or that's something? That's what I did. You worked for FEMA? I worked for FEMA. Oh, no shit. Yeah. 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 Well, where? In, well, I worked out of the, the Region 6 office, which was in Denton, Texas, where I went to college. So what do you do in there? Is that like floods or what, what's the I name? was a GIS analyst, mm-hmm. so I used satellite data to analyze disaster zones and map resources. And personnel. And so you were initially focusing on like Denton, Texas. You were right. just sort of I based was, there, but you were kind of doing it for Right. I did Region 6, which was um, Oklahoma, Arkansas, uh, Louisiana, Texas, and New Mexico. That's crazy, man. But yeah. it's funny what backgrounds people have, right? Right. And, you know, it's, it's, I've always been drawn to situations where it's chaotic and dynamic and people need the most help. Uh-huh. Those well, what is, what is, is here, I guess it's earthquakes. Volcanoes. Volcanoes. I mean... Stuff that we haven't really had to encounter recently. I mean, right. Really not since St. Helen. But. Right. In Texas, you know, hurricanes and tornadoes. Yeah. And flooding and, you know, ice yeah. storms and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I, travel, it, I traveled to 
North Dakota, I went to a big flooding event in North Dakota. That was my first, it was in the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I do not like North Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I, I went to South Dakota. I didn't mind it, but I was there in spring. So yeah, it makes it a lot better. Well, and then I, I ended up, I mean, I went to Standing Rock in, in 2016. Oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah. You know, Nikita went there too. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know Nikita. Yeah. Um, just from like, from Occupied, there were so many people that I met that are still involved mm-hmm. and, and really making a difference. Yeah. Um, so it's really interesting to see like where they came out of and yeah. Right. Occupy is, um, I mean, not a hundred percent of, uh, I'll say not a hundred percent of my politics. And I don't even mean the policies. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't ask for enough in my opinion. Right. Right. You know, I think you actually, you know, this is a whole side topic. I think you have to actually be a little bit establishment to be able to ask for sufficient amounts of the thing that you're asking for. If you're too far outside of the establishment, you're never going to get that big kind of handout. I don't mean handout in the yeah, but welfare think, sense. I think what was interesting to me was that it, it was kind of an umbrella opportunity for, well, that, a, yeah, for a lot of people right. to come in to, to understand that they weren't alone in their that's right. ideas. That's right. Um, and that there were a lot of people who shared those same and, thoughts. And that's what I was going to say was, I don't know that that was necessarily as effective to get a thing done, but no. it was really effective to almost be like a, uh, in a baseball metaphor, like a farm team exactly. for progressive leadership over the next 10 years. I mean, Sean Massoir came out of the Occupy yep. movement. Nikita, uh, folks that are not famous, right. putting air quotes, but are doing things every day. I mean, like Jesse Hagopian, like, was involved in the Occupy movement. Mm-hmm. Like, I met mm-hmm. him there. Like Teresa Mosqueda. Yeah, I mean, there are people that, it, it's interesting looking back and being like, oh, like, I remember you from, from back then mm-hmm. when you were at a General Assembly meeting and there were, you know, 300 of us sitting at Westlake. Yeah. Um, and it was just a, it was a very cool thing to watch happen. Yeah, totally. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really fascinating. And that's where I, I started in taking a lot of photos. I was going to school in Philly. Same thing. Yeah. Every, all the people, that's funny that you say photos because all the people who are like trying to document it, that mm-hmm. was when everybody came out mm-hmm. and you, that was photo video of that moment really hitting the internet virality. Like mm-hmm. that's when that was really happening. And I guess a little bit less so, but Tea Party on the right a year or two earlier was their equivalent, but they don't have cool photojournalists. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was cool because that's kind of how I got to know, you know, different editors around town. Mm-hmm. Um, I got kind of started with Real Change mm-hmm. and meeting John and, and Aaron at Real Change gave me an opportunity to put, you know, some of my photos on the cover. Yeah. And that's when I was like, oh, like people actually appreciate what I'm doing. It's mm-hmm. not it's not just my appreciation. It's not my enjoyment. It's I'm actually doing something no, that's awesome. Yeah. And that was a stepping stone to, I mean, I, you've now published all over. I, yeah. I mean, there, there, I can't think of that many outlets in Seattle that I have not been published at, yeah. which is cool. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. What do you do on a day to day? I mean, how, how does the beat work for you? The beat. Yeah. It's a lot of looking for work. Yeah. It's a lot of like looking at what's going on in the city and what events people are inviting me to and figuring out what editor might be interested in that story and, and how I would pitch it. And uh, that's kind of how the, the viaduct story came about was it was something that I had been watching happen for several years now. And what's that specifically? Just how the, how the city voted on it. Right. Like I kind of came in to Seattle with this looming project that people were talking about. And I was like, Oh, this is a big deal. Like mm-hmm. this is a, mm-hmm. this is a big story for the city. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, it's a, one of those drives that people 
they walk or they, they drive down and they see the city in a, in a unique way. That's true. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're elevated and you're kind of in, in between the buildings a little yeah. bit. So it's, it's, totally. a, it's a unique experience. I um, mean, it's something that as a visual person, like really kind of captured my attention as I That's came here the first time. Do you think, so if you take net net, right, because now you gain, I mean, generally cities flow better when cars are underground or when transit is, when transport is mm-hmm. underground. And, and now like pedestrians can reclaim kind of these parts of the city. On net, do you feel like more has been lost or gained? Oh, I mean, it was incredibly dangerous. I mean, coming from an emergency management background, like that was a death trap. Um, well, especially it, the, the seismic stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it needed to come down. Like, that was not a safe structure. Right. So, you know, I think it coming down is important. I think building a multi-billion dollar tunnel was maybe a waste of money. Tell me more. Um, I just, you know, I think that there were other options that it, it says that it was rated to like, like a 9.0, I think. What does that mean? Just for, for the listeners? Just on the, on the Richter scale, like that, that size of an earthquake is what is what it's safe at. But we're due for a, a much larger earthquake than a 9.0. Yeah, the San Juan de Fuca earthquake that right, right. is going to vaporize every hill in, in right. Seattle. Yeah. Right. So, you know, and it was just a, it was a boondog. It was yeah. incredibly expensive. And we have a situation in the city that needs desperate funding, and that's housing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, spending, I, I think we need to spend money on transportation, but I think it needs to be transportation that isn't car focused. Uh, well, yeah, you, you're preaching to the choir. My right. whole audience is right. probably nodding their heads right now in, in unison. Tell me about the the kind of the week of, or you know, I, I, more like three weeks, but initially as it was closing, and you got a couple really iconic shots of just the experience of people being out there. Mm-hmm. What was that like? I I love being out there. I love being a part of something that so many people um, have a special feeling about that are connected to in some way mm-hmm. you know I, I think people everyone that lives in the city is driven on the viaduct at some point in time of course right? like yeah. and i'm not special in that i find that that visual to be captivating so i think a lot of people saw that as a captivating experience right and the opportunity to walk on it when all they've ever done was drive drive on it drive on, is yeah. intriguing to a lot of people um, and so I was, I was excited just to be among people who were so excited to be. And it was like a party, right? It felt a lot like a party. It yeah. did. And I was lucky. I got to go early and kind of walk the viaduct when no one was there. Mm-hmm. And was that by like invitation of the city or something? Or how did no, you... I, I had talked to some the, the Washington Department of Transportation folks, and they had given me a media pass and allowed me to like go there and take photos as people were clearing after the big run walk. Mm-hmm. So as they were clearing the space, I was able to take some photos of it just completely empty, which, you know, I really like vanishing perspective in photography. That's yeah. one of my favorite aspects of it. So to be in a, in a place where you're almost in a tunnel, but you can still see outside was, it was unique. Right. Um, I got to walk the light rail tunnel from UW to Capitol Hill when it was built wow. for, for the Capitol Hill blog. And those that's were, a whole other angle. Yeah. And those are some of my favorite photos. Yeah. Just empty. Just completely empty. But you know, again, vanishing perspective and you've got, you know, rings mm-hmm. and different lighting as it goes down. And it was, yeah. it's beautiful. It's that's fun. Yeah. And that's iconic. I mean, that's right. That has changed the city. Exactly. There's two, two stops. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait till we get, you know, 20 more. But, right. Yeah. And it was great to be a part of that. And that's, that's kind of what I take away from these, this experience of being a, a photojournalist is that I'm a part of some really cool moments mm-hmm. in history. Um, and it's great to just like take a minute and take stock of where I am and, and what I'm experiencing. What's your favorite photo you've ever 
Oh, brother, that's that's a really difficult question. Um, there are some that really stand out to me. I mean, one of the photos that I took at Standing Rock was just, it just said a lot about the place and the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a indigenous man on horseback. And he had like a, there was like a feather and the horse's mouth was open and it was uh, whinnying and the wind was blowing and behind him there was like a upside down American flag and on the ground there were like buckets of water and in the background you could see like teepees and tents like spread out behind and it just it, it was that moment um, and to capture those moments is really an honor to me. if it's okay with you we'll throw it up on the on the profile yeah yeah well obviously it's your photo so we'll We'll give you the credit, but yeah, 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 I'd love for the people to see that. That's awesome. Yeah. What about in Seattle? What's your favorite shot inside Seattle? Oh man, again, that's really difficult because I've been a part of so many really fascinating and important moments in the city's mm-hmm. history. There was a, a photo that I had published on the cover of The Stranger of a young African-American man um, on his phone, but he was wearing uh, like a fur lined leather coat and behind him was a line of riot police. And they were just wearing face shields and billy, they had billy clubs in their hand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, had you taken the phone out of his hand, it could have been 70 years ago. Right. And so just to see the same kind of things happen over and over again um, says a lot about where we are as a society. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What, what do you think is coming? What are the next, you know, three photos you want to take in, in Seattle? Yeah, that's, again, you're asking some really difficult questions here today. That's what I do. I know, I know. Um, that's why they pay me the zero bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. You know, honestly, like, I love working with Curbed because I seem to cover some really iconic things with them. Can you tell everyone about Curbed? Yeah, Curbed is, it's a national outlet, but there's a Seattle office that's run by uh, Sarah Lloyd, and um, she's the editor of, of the Seattle branch, and... Basically, it's it's people and place and how they interact together. And, you know, I've gotten to cover the Amazon spheres. Like, I got to go with the media and to see, like, what those were like. What's your take on this? You know, we could be housing people there. Um, that's, that's a big waste of space, yeah, yeah. honestly. Like, yeah. it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's a and beautiful it is, waste and of it, space. It's, yeah. it's incredible. It's an incredible feat of engineering and architecture. Um, and I appreciate it for that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like... We have 12,000 homeless people in King County. Like, yeah. we need housing, not cool buildings that are inaccessible to the public. Right. So then what is? I mean, what is the, what is, I mean, almost like, what, what picture do you want to take next that, that gets on the cover of The Stranger or I mean, Times or what have you? I've actually, I've, I'm working on a project right now that's not quite complete, so mm-hmm. I can't go into too many details, but it's capturing, like, iconic landmarks um, in the city. And they're disappearing or they're changing changing you know the space and had a massive renovation and it it changed it's still the same thing right but there are changes to it and i looked there was a photo that popped up of a 2006 event that i went or a 2012 event that i went to that showed the skyline of the city and looking at it now oh my god it is so incredibly different yeah um and so every time i get to cover you know something new that opens it's getting to cover a piece of history. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I love that aspect of what I do. Mm-hmm. I love capturing moments that aren't going to exist again. Mm-hmm. What should people see that's kind of beautiful? And it, and it could be a mountain, right? But it could be a, a, like a beautiful, such a pliable word, right? 
uh, in Seattle before it goes away? I don't know, like queer and trans black artists. Whoa, okay. I mean, yeah. we don't have that many left. Yeah. And we need to support them while we can. Right. That's really, that's deep, man. Yeah. I mean, especially, I, I mean, as a visual phenomenon, right? That the, the people of the city are, I wouldn't say necessarily homogenizing per se, but it's, it's a, just a, it's a, a wave of a certain type of person that is, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't necessarily think always by intention, but they are pushing. I mean, uh, gentrification is like a very real thing oh, and yeah. it's happening to yeah. this city. And unfortunately, I'm a part of it, but I think it's important to recognize that like there are things that we can do yeah. to help keep the thing that makes Seattle cool yeah. still in Seattle. Yeah. Totally. Um, and that's, you know, amazing artists. Yeah. That's diverse poets. That's everyone because everyone belongs here. Right, right. That's right. We need to create space. It's not, a lot of systematic stuff isn't even necessarily. The difference between complicity <laughs> and blame is really crucial, I think. People, I talk about this sometimes on this show. Mm -hmm. I think we need to figure out how to ride the wave. I don't think we're going to stop the wave because you can't stop a wave, right? People are going to move here. People right? are going to move here. But we need to make sure we, we create space for everyone That's in the right. city. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Cool. Well, listen, hey, we like to end every show mm -hmm. with a segment that we call, If You Care About, You Should. Okay. Fill in the blanks. All right. If you care about journalism, you should s support local journalists. How can people do that? Every outlet in Seattle has a way to financially support them. The Capitol Hill blog has a way to support them. Um, you can become a subscriber. You can support the South Seattle Emerald financially. There are a lot of outlets like Real Change that run on fundraising. Mm -hmm. So make sure you help them raise those funds. Right. I think local journalism is probably one of the most important things we've got because it tells the story by people who are on the ground on in the, the ground. community. Yeah. yeah, we had some guests here right at this table that were talking about how so often people say, They'll go to a show and I'll say, pay what you can, so just donation, you know, $6, right? Mm -hmm. So people pay what they can up to 6 but they forget that if they're doing okay, if they're, maybe they have that nice Amazon or, you know, Microsoft job, they're, maybe they can pay 12 Right. Right? And that's something you can do with journalism, too. Exactly. If you really support that Capitol Hill blog, don't pay the bare minimum. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, you can pay $50 a month, and that's really not that much right. if you're bringing home a six-figure salary. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Alex, thank you so much for hey, being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, all right. That was Alex Garland. Check out his journalism in various publications around the entire city. Check him out specifically at www.alexgarlandphotography.com. He's got a great, great portfolio. As always, all music by The Subcons. Dope opening poetry sample by Anthony McPherson. Our sponsors are Happy High Achiever, Sound by Naboo and myself. Who am I? I'm your host, Ian Martinez, and this has been a Cascadia Underground production. My favorite. We'll see you next week.